Mum As You Are is a place for self-compassionate reflection to use what you have within you right now as you are perfectly imperfect to find your way through motherhood. I'm Dr Erin Bauer, clinical and perinatal psychologist, author of More Than a Healthy Baby, course creator and mum of two. This is my second podcast, welcome if you've followed me over from my birth trauma work. This current podcast offering is bite-sized, unfancy and unplanned. A roadmap for finding your way back to self-compassion and how to replace numbing and escapism with true, meaningful fun. I talk about motherhood as an identity and an institution, perinatal mental health and patriarchy, parental burnout and numbing. The core message is to practice the question, I wonder. Instead of judging ourselves and engaging in comparisonitis, we simply ask ourselves, I wonder. I wonder. Welcome. Before we start, I, I'm still on the lookout for reviews. I would say I was hunting for them, but it sounds a bit aggressive. So, <laughs> so I'm still looking for, I'm still requesting reviews. It's, this is a new podcast, right? It's potentially going to get lost in a sea of other similar mum and parenting related podcasts. And I'm, you know, a very, very small fish. I'm not necessarily trying to get to be a big fish. What I would like to do is build the numbers just so that more people who would find this style of support accessible, useful, practical, maybe even a little bit funny, so people can find it. And really, like, that's the only way that these things work. Patience, dedication, <laughs> good content, but also I need other people to share it. So if you've got a couple of seconds and you can go into Spotify or Apple or wherever you are, click a couple of stars. That takes two seconds. If you felt so inclined to write a few words, that would be awesome too. Happy to give you a very nice shout out. Um, but yeah, it's just for people to find the information that they need. That's it. So today I thought I'd do something a little bit different. I heard this um, statistic, I suppose it is, the other day. Um, it's from an author. His name is Joseph Epstein. And he's saying something like 200 million people just in the US alone, have this someday desire to write a book. But of course, someday is not a day in the week. So less than 1% of people who have a desire to write a book actually write one. And it's been so interesting, the process of ever since I published a book, so many people, mums in actually in particular, have said, oh, you know, I'd love to do that someday. How did you do it? Because it, it can seem all a bit too hard. How do you do that when you actually have a baby or young children? So welcome to my messy writer's routine. And I am interested in other people's writing routines, like the lighting of the candles, the calling in the higher power, choose a crystal. It all sounds lovely. But there is a part of me that also thinks, like, what a load of wank, really. <laughs> Hello, if you're new here. What you need to know about me is that I'm a rebel tendency type. You can Google uh, Gretchen Rubin for the four tendencies. I'm a rebel. It doesn't mean I like, you know, break the law and start riots and things, but it means if someone tells me there's a way I'm supposed to do something, 
particularly if it pertains to creativity or work in general really, I'm, I'm not likely to want to do it. I like to do things my own way. So I think this might be helpful for some people who've got set ideas about how you're supposed to sit down and write a book. So firstly, let's kind of get crystal clear on what we mean by writing. Now, when people say writing, for me, I think what they actually mean is a broad range of cognitive tasks. Some of them involve deep work, concentration, flow, and we'll get to that. But honestly, some of them involve a lot less brain power. So I want to take you through some of the quirks of my routine, my process, whatever you want to call it, and like see if it helps, see if it just takes off some of the pressure of how you're supposed to write a book. So I am a firm believer that people waste time by getting ready to get ready. So this is when I say like the routine of sitting down and doing all of that is a bit of wank. I half mean it. If you've got the time and the space to do that, fantastic. But even, you know, you see those routines where people talk about getting up at 4am and then organising their desk and having everything all, it all just sounds a bit too perfectionistic and unaccessible. So if I'd relied on any of that, I wouldn't have gotten a book written. I'm also not a fan of like tracking word counts, having a daily word goal or accountability buddies. Uh, that's good for some people. Maybe it's good for most people. I've done it a couple of times, the, you know, 750 words a day or three pages a day or 40 days of accountability to write a book. I actually did that with my second book. Um, Leonie Dawson has a course called 40 Days to a Finished Book. It's not really 40 Days to a Finished Book, but it's, it's an accountability course. And that was helpful. I did it, but, I mean, it's not my preferred way. It might help you. Um, same with tracking software, competitions, all that kind of stuff. No, nah, that's not for me. I am definitely much more of a Dr. Seuss style. I can write in a chair, I can write on a floor, I can write jiggling a baby, I can write anywhere. And for me that does not mean sitting down at a laptop to bang out pages. It doesn't even necessarily mean sitting down. Shallow writing, that can be done anywhere. So as I like look at my phone now, I have 969 notes in my phone. Now I would love to say to you, yes, put down your phone, we use it too much. I know all of that. But this is all conversations I've had, notes from books I'm reading, funny tidbits I've heard, statistics I've heard, bits from the newspaper, quotes, song lyrics, ideas, anything. It all goes into a note on my phone. And I like it on my phone because I don't carry a moleskin around with me or a beautiful journal. I just don't. I can hardly like run a bath, let alone run my life as an organized professional writer so i put them in my phone and i like it because you can search for it like sometimes i just remember oh there was something about marmalade so for example i don't know what it was about let me just search for it and also you can eventually cut and paste those into your word document right that counts as writing it's just not deep work okay so when i start to see a bit of a pattern of what's preoccupying my thoughts I start daydreaming book titles. I'll usually be convinced this is going to be like the next big thing, then I'll let it marinate. And once the dust settles, I'll do a bit of research. How does a book like this already fit within the market? Does it already exist? Who is the audience? What problem is it solving? 
how will this fill a need? Because this is kind of what it comes back to, to get a book out, published, have people find it useful. It's not actually about you, the struggling artist, and leaving your mark. It's about how's it going to fill a need? How's it going to help people? So from that stage, sometimes ideas don't get picked up and I kind of go, mm, it's a bit too much of a noisy space, there's too many books on this, or I actually just don't have the passion to sustain it for long enough. Um, I vaguely remember someone saying, choose a book that you are happy to talk about for two years after you've finished it because that's, and that's, it, there is some truth in that. If you, it's like doing a PhD or a research project or anything else, it's going to need to sustain you. If you're already sick of it by a month or two months, probably don't write a book on that. So for me, if I can't let an idea go, if I keep feeling like my thoughts keep coming back to it or the universe or whatever is kind of guiding me that way, then I'll start with an outline. And then I think, you know, organisation that way is helpful for me. I was that person who found the most useful thing to do before starting an exam is to take that five minutes to map out exactly what I'm going to say. How am I going to answer the question? How is this answering the question? So I kind of do rough chapter headings. They change, they move, they get deleted. But then I have a kind of foundation and I like a visual for that somewhere. So it will go up on a whiteboard usually. Uh, I might take a photo of it so it's with me when I'm kind of vaguely thinking about thoughts throughout the day. I might draft up like a contents page in Word and then I might have a copy somewhere and like in the notes on my phone. So, you know, how do you actually get this done? Well, a version, a version of me liked the idea that I would get up at dawn and write until my stomach and my bladder and my neck scream at me, but that's not the way it's been. So you've just got to write for the present you, right? You've got to think about your needs and your own demands, not what you think you should be doing. So, you know, anywhere, anytime, really. I literally will just go about my day with that filter on, that I am looking for material for a book. I, that's just how my brain works. That's how my brain has always worked, I think. You get more of what you focus on. So it's really just a starting process of writing thoughts down things that you find interesting. They don't have to make sense. They don't have to like look like they're forming a theme for a book. Nothing is wasted. Absolutely nothing is wasted. Most authors, I think, have some sort of version of what might be called a commonplace book where you just put all your notes and quotes and interesting things. But it's really just finding pockets of stolen time. Hence, you know, this the first book I wrote, more than a healthy baby, the birth trauma book, like it had to come out of me. There was no stopping it. And in the very early days when my youngest daughter was a newborn, like she was a couple of weeks old, she slept a lot. So there was moments where, you know, I could just turn on the TV. It was usually like two episodes of Paw Patrol for the two-year-old, put her in a carrier and off we go. And I literally wrote most of that book at the kitchen bench jiggling a baby in a carrier. Um, occasionally I would sit if they had a bit of childcare and write out stuff on my laptop, but you know, it mostly wasn't sitting down, it was mostly standing up. Sometimes you think about it when you're standing up. I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. Um, you know, similarly my second book, Social Media Detox for Mums, I started that in school holidays with children around. Um, I got in 30 minutes or so, 
before my three and then five-year-old would need some attention. It's just small pockets. Some people just write for two hours a day. Some people write for 30 minutes. Some people write for a couple of pages. Again, we are talking shallow writing. You can do shallow writing. It doesn't have to sound good. It doesn't have to make sense. You're cutting, you're pasting, you're writing out ideas, subheadings. It's not deep work. The deep work can come later. Once it kind of starts to look book-like, <laughs> then I do what I call is the big chunks. You research, you add in references where you need to add references. And then, you know, if you can, book yourself out for a weekend. More than a healthy baby, I didn't go anywhere. I stayed in the office. My husband took the kids for two, two days. And I could still hear them in the background with my noise-cancelling headphones. But I got it done. Remember, at the end, you're still going to get an editor. And part of that editor's job is to go, oh, right. You clearly had kids in the background there and not paying attention. Let's just fix that up. You don't have to be perfect. Editing is not the same as writing. It's not the same. So for me to read and critique what I've written, then yes, I need to be alone. I need to not be distracted and I need to be able to focus. But for the first part, the actual writing part, it could just be quite shallow. So consider whether you're making it mean something other than what it needs to mean. See how you go. I'm not saying multitask. That's not helpful. But what you want to be doing is training yourself to always be thinking about it. Always be looking for material. And I'm telling you, the stuff will come. It's just a matter of quickly jotting it down into your phone. Or maybe you are a notebook person. Good for you if you're a notebook person. I would love to be a notebook person. That's just not practical. So start with the notes on the phone. Things that you find interesting. A story that you heard. A fact. A statistic. Something like that. And read. Read, 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 read. You mostly get ideas from other people's work. And I think a lot of writers have this effect where it's like, oh, if everybody knew the snowball effect of where you've gotten everything from, you would realise that nobody has an original idea ever. So I hope that's helpful. Put a baby in or a carrier. Have a jiggle. See what you can do. You can do this. If I can do this, oh my goodness, you can do this. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, but you'd also like to see me and have some snippets, sticky beaks, whatever you want to call it, into my life, I thought I'd let you know I'm kind of starting up my YouTube channel again. I have missed being on video. More so, I have missed the creative skill that is teaching myself to make films. So I've started making like very short little cinematic kind of style day in the life videos on my YouTube channel. They're quite short. It's just going to be little snapshots into my life, some kind of like showing rather than telling examples, slow living minimalism. And I think I might do some sit down videos on similar sorts of things to what I talk about here. So if you're interested, the link will be in the notes. Otherwise, you can just chuck my name into YouTube, Dr. Aaron Bauer. Hopefully I'll see you over there.